Hello and welcome to Law Talk. I'm your host, Mitchell Panter, with the law firm of Panter, Panter, and Pedro. So in honor of Happy Saturday and Small Business Saturday, it's our opportunity and our pleasure to present to you different lawyers and different small firms that we work with. Panter, Panter, and San Pedro's Law Firm dedicated to protecting Florida's families. And one of the big things that we like to do is have our members from the Panter, Panter, and San Pedro Network on air. Gives you an opportunity to learn something, gives us an opportunity to learn something, and more importantly, gives the lawyer from a different area of law an opportunity to learn and teach you a little bit about what's going on in their chosen field of law. A little bit of history. More than 20, 25 years ago, Panther, Panther, and San Pedro decided that we wanted to help the community. And one of the things that we wanted to do was to have a TV show on WLRN, which was an old educational channel. And what we did was we brought different members of the community, lawyers, judges, people that are involved in our legal system, to the viewing audience and tried to talk a little bit about their given area of law. And we hoped at the time, and we know that it did, um, help people learn a little bit about it. So fast forward a few years and we formed the Panther, Panther and San Pedro Network. We currently have about 150 members in the Miami-Dade area and about 50 in Broward. Uh, our goal was to be able to tell the clients and the people that call us that we don't do that kind of work, but we have somebody that does it. You never want to, as a small business person, say, I don't do it and turn people away, but you want to have in your stable a good group of people. So what we did was we met with lawyers throughout the community. We spoke to them. We made sure that they were good, upstanding citizens. They were good in their area of law, uh, and we hope to be able to refer them to you, the viewing audience and people that are in need. Uh, we are firm believers in bigger is not better. We are firm believers in customer service and quality of care. And all of our guests, all of our lawyers that we work with feel the same way. So without further ado, let's introduce our first guest today, Mr. Senan Garcia. Senan, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing, Mitch? Pleasure to meet you. Introduce yourself to the viewing audience. So my name is Senan Garcia. I am... Uh, obviously an attorney. Uh, we do a lot of different work. We do work with commercial small businesses. We do work also with insurance. If you have property insurance and you have an issue with your insurance company paying on a claim, we'll work with you on that. And then we also work with back taxes. If you have a lot of back taxes owed, we help you get that reduced with, uh, with the IRS, as well as even some issues with uh, local and state matters. Tell us a little bit about your history. Where'd you come from and uh, how'd you get to where you are today? Well, originally I'm from New Jersey. So is everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so moved from here with family many years ago. Uh, started actually a lot of businesses before I became an attorney. So that was actually why I started to help a lot of small business owners when I became an attorney. Uh, eventually went to law school, got my law degree. I actually also did my master's at the same time and then opened up my practice soon after that. Where'd you go to law school? St. Thomas. Excellent. And then so you at some point in time became involved with the Panther, Panther and San Pedro Network. Tell us a little bit about that. So I was involved in another organization called the FLN members, and I met a man by the name of Mark Stein. Barry Stein. Barry Stein, excuse me. Jeez, it's too early in the morning. I was actually okay. dealing with, it happens when you're dealing with too many emails. Barry's Barry. one of our founding members and a great source of, uh, of quality lawyers for us. So I'm glad Gosh. you got to meet him and, and he brought you aboard. Yeah, no, Barry's great. We had a few lunches together uh, and he said, you know, I think you'd be a good fit for the network. So I you know, came in, met everybody, and, and sure enough, here I am. All right. So I heard you say you have about three different main areas. Let's take them one at a time. Give us what's your first area of law that you practice in? Well, it's business uh, and helping businesses in all facets of the operation from setup formation to reviewing contracts, even helping them in litigation matters. 
Uh, I've helped uh, businesses. I even actually volunteer time with the Small Business Administration and SCORE in terms of guiding the small businesses in terms of their work. So what we do is everything you need from, from a business standpoint, whether it's uh, you know, reviewing your original incorporating documents, handling internal disputes, or simply just saying, hey, we have this deal we're working on and we need someone to help us represent us in negotiations. So let's stick with that for a minute. I want to open up a business. I don't know whether I want to open up a garage. Uh, I want to open up a restaurant. I want to open up a printing store. How do I go about that, getting it done and getting it done correctly so down the road I don't have any problems or I can avoid problems? Well, step one is we want to make sure we have a structure in place, a corporate structure in place that protects and limits your liability. A lot of people, you know, they want to start up the business and they think, oh, we we'll want to do it cheaper. And cheaper isn't necessarily better. You want to make sure you have your protections in place, even if it's, you know, hey, it's just I don't know if it's going to be successful yet. I want to kind of try it out. You still want to have that protection because what happens is if something goes wrong, you could end up being personally liable. So first thing we go about doing is let's set up a structure, whether an LLC or a corporation to get that system in place. Now, which one is better for you? Well, it depends on each situation. So give us an example. What What is I heard you say LLC Correct. and I heard you say corporation? What's the difference and why would I choose one over the other? That's a great question. Thank you know, you. It, it, a lot of people think that an LLC is a corporation and it's not. It's actually a hybrid entity. It's at its base a partnership. And that's very important for people to understand the distinction because they're treated differently in the eyes of the law. You have an LLC, which is a partnership, and then you have a corporation. Now, the difference is an LLC as opposed to a traditional partnership is what is called a partnership with corporate characteristics. Let me stop you. LLC, what does that stand for? Limited Liability Company. Thank you. And a lot of people, you know, they hear that phrase and, and they, they automatically say, oh, LLC, I'll get an LLC. And they go, well, an LLC may be right for you, but it may not. You know, it depends on the situation. Most people I find, yes, an LLC is beneficial to them, but it's very important to understand the distinction. And it's very important to understand the distinction when it comes to taxes, because if you're a single member LLC, a lot of people don't understand is from the eyes of the IRS, it's considered a disregarded entity, which means they don't recognize it. It means it's going to be taxed as a Schedule C sole proprietorship. And you say to yourself, okay, so that means I'm not protected. Keep in mind, tax and law are two different matters. You're still protected legally. It's just for the IRS's purposes. They don't recognize it. When you say protection, what, what are you referring to? What, what are you protecting yourself from or for? Another great question. So what businesses have, or, or sort of say corporations, LLCs, and those type of structures have, they have what's called limited liability. And a lot of people wonder, what does that mean? Limited liability means you're limited to the liability of the amount of money you invest into the business. So let's say you invest $1,000. That is your liability, whatever you invest, as opposed to if you just don't have a structure and just start from scratch with using your own personal name, you have what is called unlimited liability, which means anything you own personally is liable. So you want to obviously keep your liability limited and you want to keep it to the amount of money you invest in that business. And, and how do you go about doing that? I mean, it's just the structure of the corporation you set up or is it something about the method and manner of the way you operate your business? How is it that you maintain that limited liability throughout the duration of your business? Both, obviously. You, you want to, first of all, set up your structure properly and correctly and the one that fits best fits your business. And then you have to maintain that throughout your activities in your business. There is the, what are called the formalities in running a company. You want to make sure that you're running the company separate from you. It is running as a legitimate, distinct operation from you. You have to think of the business as a separate person altogether. You have a separate bank account. They have separate business dealings. You're not going to go, for example, take the business corporate card or the business debit card and go buy groceries for your personal side. You're not going to do that. What happens when you do that? Well, what happens when you do that is you create a, a situation where you're violating the formalities. Now, on the surface, you probably won't notice anything, but God forbid, one day 
you get into a litigious situation where now they're coming after you. And in the process of the lawsuit, both sides are going to be requesting information. And they're going to request sometimes information as far as how the business runs itself. And if they find that the business has been running itself as an what is called an alter ego or just an extension of you, then they can argue if the business doesn't have sufficient assets, they're going to come after you through what's called a piercing of the corporate or LLC veil, which is basically a concept where they're no longer going to come after you as an individual business. They're not going to say the business is an extension of you. So we're going to come after you personally for whatever we're owed, presuming you lose. So you're really opening yourself up to a lot of liability and, and exposure. Mom and pop run a business. They have a grocery store. In the grocery store, they decide that they want to go on a vacation and they want to use the corporate card for dinner, for the hotel, for the car rental. How does that affect the the liability that they might have? Not to mention, let's look at it from a taxation perspective as well as from a liability perspective. That's a, that's another excellent question. You know what what happens is when you're going on a vacation. First of all, the business has not operate. You're you're not you're not involving the business in that scenario. You're you have to keep it completely separate. Now, there are and unfortunately, there people do that. They they don't have money in their personal side. And one of the things you do to offset that in advance is you start. You should be setting up a salary or a distribution system where you're giving yourself the money. You know, if you say, oh, well, and this is what happens. I see a lot with businesses. They say, well, the business owes me money for distribution. So I'm just going to have it pay it directly. Don't do that. Send it to you regardless, then pay. I know it sounds like a tedious approach. And so, you know, you know, asinine because, oh, why am I going to just I can just pay it directly from my car, from my corporate account when it was going to come to me anyway. Send it to you anyway. Do those steps. Those little steps make a big deal. Now, as far as and it's an interesting point when you mention as far as taxation goes, it. it and this goes back to a lot of small businesses because I've, I've talked to a lot of small businesses about annual meetings. A lot of small businesses have asked me about, hey, do I have to have an annual meeting? And I go, yes, you have to have an annual meeting. Does it have to be where I, I live or does it have to be? Where I no, you can have an annual meeting anywhere in the, in the world. And, you know, if you decide you want to have an annual meeting with your employees, you know, on a tropical island, it's tax deductible. But keep in mind, if you have a spouse, that spouse is not uh, not deductible. You bring that spouse with you, that spouse has to pay their spouse, own Spouse, the kids, the friends, the cousins, the, they don't get, okay. There, there was an IRS uh, tax case about that very situation where a man, you know, we decided to take an annual meeting and took his whole wife and put it on the corporate card and they disallowed it. So it's very important to understand. And all of those personal matters, whether it's a vacation or, an ex, you know, you bring family on an annual meeting are not tax deductible. So you're basically spending money in the business and you can't even get a write-off on it. And if you try to, and the IRS audits you, you'll be in trouble because now you not only have to pay those deductions back in terms of the taxes you thought you were saving, but now you're gonna have to pay interest and penalties. Penalties so, can kill you. You know, it's not worth, and they may find other things that you were doing that you thought were, you know, maybe there was an, it was an, it was on the fence and now they're just gonna disallow it outright. All right, so I wanna have a business and I wanna do it the right way. I wanna make sure that I'm, crossing my T's, dotting my I's, doing everything I'm supposed to do. I, I knock on a door and I say, Mr. Garcia, help me. What, what do you do? What's the first meeting about and how do we get a, get things going to get that business up and going? First thing I want to do is get to know the person. I want to get to know what they're doing. What is it they <clears> want to achieve? What are their goals? You know, what, what are, what are you want to get from step A to step B? You know, because one of the things is everybody you know, has different perspectives on their business and I need to know what they want to do because it's, there's not a one size fits all. You know, and that's the one thing people realize, you know, when, when you're setting up a business, you have your own intention. Some people, it's just they have a passion. They want to do this and that's the only focus point. And that's great. And then sometimes I just have to work around and say, OK, well, these are important, but we have to think about other factors as well. So sometimes it's also filling in gaps in their timeline. 
Others, they already have an idea. They want to get from setting up the business. They're like what I call them serial entrepreneurs. And it's a tamers, you know, so they want to get from here to an exit strategy to move on to the next idea. So it's about saying, okay, how are we going to get you to this point legally so that you're protected so that you can turn key it and move on to the next item? So tell me a little bit about your firm. Who's your firm? Who's in your office? Who does your work? And it's important because as we discussed, it's it was Saturday and it was the, the, the small business Saturday. Um, we're firm believers in the bigger is not better, uh, that the quality of service that you get is important. Uh, you could go online and you could form your own corporation, but I don't think that that's the appropriate way in today's day and age because you get what you pay for and, and you're not going to get the quality of care. So tell me about why is your firm, your business different and what do you do in, in SG Law Group to help people so that they're not shoved in with 8 million other people? Well, what we do is we give a personal approach to everybody. You know, one of the things is all of our staff, they're, you know, they're heavily involved. They're knowledgeable in the, in, the, in your, basically your case, so to speak. So when you pick up the phone, chances are you're going to get on the phone with somebody and they're going to, oh, I know who you are. And they'll, they'll be able to answer your questions as opposed to if you call a big company and they'll say, what's your file number? And they have to look up a file and see what people put in. We actually have people who've personally dealt with, because one of the things that happens in our firm is all our staff, they're involved. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in empowering our staff and they take a stake in the cases. Like they actually care about getting these things resolved for their clients. That's a critical clients. word there that you yeah. care. No, yeah, they, they, I mean, it, they, you know, it's not my client. Believe it or not, I, I am the attorney. We have another attorney in the office. It's our clients, but they don't treat it like that. They may not be attorneys, but to them, it's their case. Okay. They, they, they take a personal uh, vested interest in everyone's case and making sure they get resolved. We're a little bit different in our world today. Hopefully, the near future will change. Do you, you meet with people live? Do you speak to them live virtually? How does that work in today's world? Well, it's funny because regarding the, you know, the, the, the virtual world, we had actually moved to a virtual concept a year before the pandemic hit. So we were already doing a lot of virtual settings with clients. And the reason why we did that was on both sides. We found that a lot of, you know, attorneys and the staff, they wanted to start families and it was harder for them to come into the office and also raising children. So I said, they would ask me, is it right if I work from home? And I, we started to slowly create a system and it just happened organically. And then we noticed a lot of our clients, they were a lot of business, busy business owners, or sometimes they worked during the day and it was hard for them to come you know, take time out of work to come to our office. So I said, listen, we can do Zoom. We can even do phone. We, we'll do whatever is more convenient for you. And in some cases, I've even gone out to their businesses. But it was more convenient for them to just do virtually or on the phone. So we were already doing the structure. So when the pandemic hit, walked right into it. It was like no problem. So if, you know, we if if you have a situation where it's like, look, I, I can't come into the office, no worries. And if you have a situation where you want to talk over Zoom for one meeting because, you know, you're trying to conduct business at, you, at another part of the world, no problem. We can handle it. Money. How does it work? How do I, you know, do I go online and, and pay X dollars? Do I pay you by the hour? You commission? How are your, what's your fee structure? So I want to set up a corporation. Is there a, a set amount or how does that work? Generally speaking, when it's non-litigation, I, I, I have a very simple approach. I like to fix price it. I give clients a flat fee. I said, this is how much it's going to be. Obviously, it's tailored to that client. Some clients, it's less. Some clients, it's a little more depending on their needs. But I give it a flat fee. We, we, don't, we don't like to, oops, sorry, hit that thing by accident. We don't like to, uh, you know, no get surprises. We don't like to surprise because a lot of small business owners, that's what they want. They want certain things set in stone. Certainty. And they want that. 
litigation is a little bit different because unfortunately I can't control everything. So that where that's a situation where it would be hourly. Uh, luckily, a lot of this litigation cases that we do have, we're able to resolve them relatively fast for the most part. So it doesn't hurt the businesses so, so much. Let's go to that next step. First of all, describe for us, what is litigation? Give us a few examples of litigation and, and how does that flow in the business world? No problem. So litigation takes in two forms. Either one, one day you walk in and there's a nice little man at the front door who says, Hey, you've just been served. And it's usually a something that'll say complaint or statement of claim. If it's a small claims matter and you'll get that document. Now you have to defend yourself in court. The other flip side is where someone has done you wrong, either because they haven't paid your bill or they haven't done a particularly work you know, well. And now you want to either get your money back or you want them to perform a particular act and they haven't listened to you. They haven't paid attention. You've sent them emails, notices, whatnot. You go, what's what else can I do? That step is filing suit against them. And that's where we would come in in both scenarios is represent you either going after someone who didn't do their job or defending you against somebody who's alleging that you didn't do something on your part. You mentioned two things and let's talk about that and distinguish that. One was a statement of claim. One was a complaint. I, I take it from my knowledge that there's different levels monetarily and maybe even um, for the relief that you're seeking. So which court gets used and, and, and how do you as a lawyer decide that and how does that work? So when it comes to a, a lawsuit, there are three different courts, if you will. There's small claims, which is for claims that are less than 8,000 or 8,000 or less. Then you have county court claims. County court claims are claims that are between 8,000 and 30,000. And then anything greater than 30 is circuit court. Now, why is that important? Well, because depending on what court you're in or depending on where it will be located theoretically, although nowadays it doesn't seem to matter, uh, and also what rules will be in place. So if you were in a small claims case, for example, a lot of the rules are more relaxed. So if, for example, you technically, you don't need to know the rules when you're in small claims. You can go there, it's, it's usually a three-step process. You go for what is called a pretrial conference, then you have your mediation and you have your trial. Now you can conduct other business in between then, whether it's settling, doing what is called discovery, which is requesting paperwork of the other side and what information evidence they have to prove their matter. But in the reality, it's really just a three-step process. And then you go to trial. And the trial is, I guess, and, I, and I, I'm oversimplifying it, but it's just to give everybody an idea. It's similar if you go to go to Judge Judy. You're just going to hear, the judge is going to rule, and that'll be the end of it. But they recognize that usually the parties that are there are more relaxed. And they relax a very important rule, especially if you own your own business. They don't require you to have an attorney. Well, that's, I, I thought that I read somewhere that if it's a corporation, a corporation is required to have that's an correct. attorney. Under what circumstances does that fall into play? So whenever there's a legal entity, the only individual that can represent that entity is an attorney. Okay. And the courts enforce that heavily in the county court, which is the 8,000 to 30,000 and anything greater than 30. So if you now it's different than if you're in a personal matter, you're being sued personally. Well, you can represent yourself personally in a matter. Sure. Of course, the old saying then comes from that is, is if you're representing yourself, you have a fool for a client. But in any event, you can theoretically represent yourself at any stage in the litigation process, personally. County, circuit, circuit, any court. But corporation is different or LLC is different. If you have a legal separate entity, only in a licensed attorney can represent them. Now, where the courts tend to give leniency on that rule is in the small claims venue because they figure it's a small matter. Most attorneys may not even want to take the case and they don't want to put the business in a in disadvantageous position. That being said, 
even in those small claims matters, you may want to hire an attorney. Now, some people say, well, what about the money? And this is where hiring an attorney at the outset of your business is important. One of the big sticklers that I've noticed in a lot of clients is when I review a lot of their files and a lot of their, their, their contracts and agreements have with other parties, they don't have the right clauses. And one of the clauses that I mentioned is, and it was called an attorney's fees clause. I go, if you are confident that you're going to win, you want to have an attorney's fees clause because one of the things that people don't realize in the United States, and this is a very important thing, is everybody thinks that if you win, you automatically get attorney's fees. Oh, I won, so I should get attorney's fees. I go, in Britain, that's true. And statutorily, in some situations, that's true. But when it comes to regular business dealings of someone breaching an agreement, if it's not in the contract, you are not entitled to attorney's fees. So it's extremely important that if you're going to enter into an agreement and you want to be sure that if some things go wrong, that you're going to get your attorney's fees, you want to make sure you have an attorney's fees clause. So that way, even if it's a small claims matter and you're confident, you can bring in an attorney and you can get make sure that your attorney's fees will be reimbursed. So I'm an electrician. I'm a plumber. I'm an air conditioning guy. I open up a business because I want to make sure that I'm limited in my liability, that I get paid when I'm supposed to get paid. What do I do to add the attorney fee provision to protect myself, to make sure that my contract, my company, my person is safe? Well, you want to make sure you put that in any work order agreements. It, it depends on how you conduct business. It, obviously, in the past, it used to, in some cases, still people still do it. They use one of those three-ply papers, and on the back of it, they have your terms and conditions. You want to put your terms and conditions there. Now, everybody's getting apps. Now, they have their end-user license agreements or their terms and conditions that you, you know, those check the box everybody signs. You want to make sure that that is included in those terms and conditions to ensure that you have that provision in place to protect your business. I get these contracts, and I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer for 35 years. It's 74 pages long and 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 so fine, fine print, you can't even read it. A am I bound by that? All 74 pages, every single little bit? You are theoretically bound by anything you sign, which is why you always need to read it. Now, in some circumstances, depending on the font size, depending on the industry, they may require certain things. Like, In fact, there are certain clauses that need to be bold, need to be capitalized and put very well, you know, very well out there so that people will read them, especially when it comes to limitations of liability. Okay. Attorney's fees clause is usually not one of those that you need to have there. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have it prevalent because people should know about it. Uh, you know, especially now when it comes to you as a small business owner, you need to have those in your agreements. Now, most small business owners that I have luckily don't fall into having such a huge amount of terms and conditions. They're usually terms and conditions are equivalent of maybe 10 or 15 pages, which is... Let me bring up one term and condition because it comes into play. We do negligence cases mm -hmm. when people are injured due to the negligence of others. And, and there's a term, a waiver of liability. Yeah. Tell me what a waiver of liability is. Is that something that as a business owner, I want to put in my agreement? I need to be careful about? How does that work? So waiver of liability is, is that if you, you know, obviously you have some particular action that you're going to be commencing, any type of liability that you could potentially have against that individual, you theoretically waive it by entering into this agreement. It's an interesting concept uh, with respect to whether or not you can waive that liability. In some respects, yes. In some respects, no, because there's what is called an assumption of risk. And you have to have reasonable expectation that something like that will occur. And a lot of these clauses, they have this you know, catch-all where everything and anything under the sun, and that's where you're getting yourself into trouble because there are a lot of things that can theoretically and, and rightfully so fall outside. You know, you can't 
anticipate everything with these clauses. There are certain things in the normal scheme of things that you could say, okay, this falls in the realm of reasonability, but anything that's not reasonable wouldn't be considered in these waivers, uh, these waiver uh, clauses. Now, the one thing you have to be careful with this is, is if you include this clause on its own and you have, let's say this, you know, kitchen sink waiver where it's just everything and anything, it could potentially invalidate the whole agreement. And now you could just be exposed to everything. Again, that's why you need a good lawyer that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So let me go far field a little bit because I want to learn about you, because I think it's really important when you hire a lawyer that, you know, you're not hiring this corporation, this big mega, you know, you're not getting a case manager or a worker, but you're getting a lawyer. When you come to Panther Panther and San Pedro, you hire Mitch or David or Al or Brett. When you come to your firm, I hire you. Tell me a little bit about you. What are some of the activities you do, some of the fun things you do outside of the law? Well, one of the, the biggest things I enjoy, I enjoy the ocean. So I, I love the, the water. I'm a, a dive master. I actually started my own nonprofit uh, where we're trying to restore the coral reefs along Day County, uh, working with the dive bar, which is, uh, is a, the, their official word is the Underwater Bar Association. Cool. And it's a group of lawyers that we're just, we care about the ocean. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we're doing right now is trying to get grant funding to help establish nurseries underwater to restore our coral reefs. A lot of people awesome. don't realize that our coral reefs are our first line of defense for flooding, for hurricanes, storm surge. And so it's, it's a passion project of mine. I, I really love doing that. Um, I don't need a lot of my time to help small businesses. I mentioned earlier, I really love to help people. And I'm also, uh, as of now, it's going to be two years. I'm a professor. I actually teach uh, both real estate as well as even accounting to students in an adjunct capacity. So cool. where do you do that? I do it at a school. It's actually uh, an online school in Europe called EU Business School. Okay. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, I won't lie. I have a little bit more fun with the real estate than the accounting uh, just because it's it's a lot more interesting. But I, I love helping students. I love seeing that light bulb come on their eyes and oh I get it now. So it's really so cool. I gotta tell you that's part of, of, of our network. And and one of the things that we do is is as a, a firm a few weeks ago we we started um getting involved with giving away turkeys. So over the holiday weekend we gave away two thousand turkeys up in Miami Gardens. Uh before that we gave away two hundred and fifty down at Southridge. Um throughout our network we volunteered members in our network are always volunteering and being active and doing good things for the community. Again, bigger is not better. Um, the quality, the community service that we render to people is wonderful. We got a few minutes left. What's another area of law that you work in that you want to talk to us about? Well, the only uh, other areas is regarding insurance claims and tax insurance claims. If you have an insurance, you know, if, if your property was damaged and you file a claim, one of the things that I always tell people is if the insurance company denies you or underpays you, it does not mean that you did not have a valid claim. You should still consider pursuing it. Get a second opinion. You'd hire an attorney to make sure that, in fact, you were paid properly for that claim because a lot of insurance companies, unfortunately, they don't want to pay. They want to underpay or deny it on various reasons. In some cases, go against their own adjusters. So you want to be sure that you're getting a fair amount for what you paid for. And how do I hire you to do that? Again, is that an hourly? Is that a contingency? What's the best way to get to you to help me? Well, as far as pay goes, you don't have to worry about that because through law, we get paid through the insurance company, whether we win or settle. So we don't charge our clients up front. In fact, unless our clients, you know, which has never happened, knock on wood, we've been able to get our clients everything they've owed. Uh, on occasion, you know, we've had clients where the, the, we've lost in summary judgment, which is very rare. Um, 
you know, the clients don't have to worry about paying us. You just give us a call at the office. We'll be glad to work with you and, and see how we can help you. And then lastly, tax law. Tax law. A lot of people don't realize, especially now we're noticing it's starting to pick up where the IRS has started their collection practices. And a lot of people are still not on their feet because of the pandemic. And they have a lot of tax bills. You know, they, they've, they've had probably a couple of years back in back taxes that they have. They said, how am I going to pay this back? We actually work with the IRS in terms of reducing it. And it's not just your penalties, not just your interest. We're actually about the actual tax owed. Personal, corporate, how does that work? Either or. If you have uh, any type of back taxes, we can actually work to get them reduced. For example, we had a, an individual that came into our office. He was a, a medical student. He had about 70000 in back tax because of his company's, his, his family business. He obviously got a distribution checks. And, you know, he was going to school. He didn't have any money. He wasn't making any money. And he had about 70000 in tax bills. We had it reduced, surprisingly, to about $7,000. Okay. So he knocked off about $62,000 in tax debt. Now, obviously, everyone's different. I can't say that's going to be the same in everyone's case, but it's definitely worth looking to. If you have more than $10,000 in tax debt and you don't have the ability to pay it, I will recommend reaching out to myself or someone in the tax field that can actually help you get that reduced. All right, we're winding up at this point. How do I get a hold of you? What's the best way to reach you? Best way uh, you, is multiple ways. You can reach me via phone, 305-606-6139, or you can reach us, reach you via email, uh, senen, S-E-N-E-N, -E at sgarcialaw.com, or you can visit our website and you can get all that information, sgarcialaw.com. Thank you. Senen, pleasure. Again, Support your smaller businesses, support our lawyers, the Panther, Panther, and San Pedro Network, together with Panther, Panther, and San Pedro's law firm dedicated to protecting Florida's families. Our goal is to help you. Our goal is to educate you, to provide you with the uh, opportunity to help yourself and to get any legal assistance that you need. I want to thank you. Wish you all a happy and healthy holiday season.